Warning, the following program is not for the weak-hearted. Those who are closed-minded, or in general, you're scared to learn what's behind closed doors. Here at Sapphire's Airplay, I want you to pour the wine. Grab somebody that you want to hold on to, or better yet, get the vibration stimulated through your body. Get ready for one hell of an orgasm. In five, four, What is up all you sexy three, motherfuckers out there in Radio two, Land? It's your one. girl, Sapphire. Getting steady, girl, yes. Yes, and this is Earplay, y'all, and we have a special treat. Now, many of you in February love the episode with King Noir, but we had to bring his special lady along for the ride. So we have Jet Setting Jasmine and King Noir live with us, and I am so excited. So thank you, guys. Thank you. Yes, yes, it's good to be back. <laughs> now we're doing this over Skype, and let me just say, I feel like I look like a hungover hot-ass mess, while the two of y'all just look like some yummy chocolate. Just, I love it. I'm <laughs> loving it. <laughs> wake, wake up yummy. Yes, you guys wake up very yummy, I bet. My goodness, just that Cali sun been treating you well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they've been going international too, girl. Girl, I know. Yeah, I th- Indian sun. We had a little Florida sun. It's a pretty good mix of summer. Oh my! You guys went to the homeland too, didn't you? To Africa. Oh my yeah. goodness! Can you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Like, what is? Or who is King Noir and Jet Setting Jasmine? Because you guys are. I feel like you are just like all over the spectrum. Um, you know, besides the fact that you guys are in a relationship with each other, the fact that you guys are in this amazing lifestyle. I mean, you guys just branded yourself so well. It's just, what out there, you know, for the newbies out there listening, what do you guys bring to our newbies? Well, we are the co-owners of Royal Fetish Films, Jet Setting Jasmine, LLC, uh, body Altitudes, Health and Fitness, Hassan Salam Music, King Noir, and the Royal Fetish Experience, and Jasmine is the uh, sole founder of uh, Blue Carol Therapy. That's, that's about it. So that's, that's, that's all the shit we own. Nah, but- <laughs> we own some kids. <laughs> that's really good. That's black entrepreneurs. That's a good thing. Right exactly. There. <laughs> I mean, do you guys ever find it hard, you know, being in a relationship and also being in business with each other? Because I feel like a lot of people now, you know, they're they're all about building an empire together. But at the same time, there's always that, you know, that struggle to build an empire with the person that you love. You know, there are going to be some hardships. And in your case, it's not like the business is what people may consider the normal nine to five. It's intimacy you know you guys have a lot of intimate moments a lot of the times with other people so how does that play out you know so I think um I think it is a challenge working together just like you know if we were selling you know waters out in the street I don't know why I just thought of that but (laughs) so to running a, a regular typical corporate company to the type of work that we do um it is important that we make sure that there is a balance. And sometimes we are out of balance with, with that, where we're working um, harder than we're loving on each other. And then sometimes we're loving on each other harder than we should be working. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think there are natural challenges to say that it's easy, would not give credit to the work that we put into our relationship and our work. 
So um, it is something that we are always actively working to make sure that we're meeting the needs of our business, um, but that we're also meeting the needs of our family first and foremost, and that we're always keeping in mind why we work so hard. Um, so to be able to take time and enjoy one another and enjoy the fruit of our labor is important. I love that. I love that. And just like, look, yeah, so you seeing this chemistry over here. Like, <laughs> I swear. I mean, we could just be like flies on the wall. I mean, we could be like interview over. Y'all just do what y'all do. <laughs> but, like, I went to you guys' workshop. I really enjoyed that because it was so informative and you guys both had so much information for people and made everybody feel comfortable. So the, the other component, you know, like there are people who have, who work um, in, let's say, regular corporate settings and they have like a work husband and a work wife, right? You know, things like that where you spend a lot of time with people that you work with and you develop different types of relationships in the workplace. Not necessarily saying those that cross the line, but you do develop relationships in whatever workplace you're in. Mm-hmm. And I think ours is... Um, a bit different because we're able to openly express those type of relationships that we develop with others. We, that is a part of the business is how well we relate to other people, not just, you know, one another. And that honesty is not something that people are accustomed to seeing. Um, so I think that's the, the part that kind of makes it appear to be, you know, I don't want to say weird, but different. But there's so much of what we do that really if people were open and honest about what we experience on a day-to-day basis, even the feelings that they experience on a day-to-day basis would look very much like how we how we operate with other people that we work with as well. I'm glad that you mentioned honesty because what we really wanted to talk to you about today is about, you know, open relationships and boundaries and just that open communication. Because I feel like today in society... You know, you have all these sexualities just coming out in the open, all these newfound relationships. I myself personally, you know, have been starting out in the poly life and I'm still quite a newbie in it, but I'm very comfortable with the people that I am dating. And we seem to have a very working communicative relationship to the point where if somebody is uncomfortable or, you know, date nights are set, we all are in the know of each other. And I feel like for, you know, people like yourselves, it's, I feel like people just take it for granted. You know, when it comes to open relationships, they just feel that, okay, my girl's bi, so she's gonna wanna have sex with every other girl that I wanna have sex with. And vice versa. Then you have the guy who, you know, wants his girl to explore, but she's not comfortable. So where do those, I mean, do you guys ever deal with a lot of those in your clients that do they ever come to you asking about, you know, open relationships and how do they open their, you know, marriage or their relationship to getting their partner comfortable in acting out in certain fantasies with boundaries? I think the first thing, and I mean, you already mentioned the, the most important word, which is honesty. A lot of times, though, people think being honest with their partner, but I think for an open relationship, you also have to be honest with yourself first, because if you're unable to see your partner kiss somebody, touch somebody, fuck somebody, then you have no business in an open relationship, no matter how much you think you're going to get out of it. You know, like I think a lot of times you have people who are like, I want to fuck other people, Mm -hmm. but I don't want that to happen with my partner. And also I think 
you know, an open relationship. It could be for some people. It could be, well, I want my partner to fuck everybody if they if that's what they want to do. But I don't want them to be close to anybody. You know, so many different levels of it where it, it does come down to you have to be honest with yourself about what it is you want and what it is you're okay with. You know, if if your partner wants something different than you do, mm-hmm. are you and you live with that? And then how to find a way for you both to compromise or open up the different aspects of your relationship so that everyone is happy. For the two of you guys, if you don't mind us asking, at what point in your relationship did you guys decide, okay, we both have needs. We, we both are into very much each other, but we need to open those needs to our other wants. At what point did you guys... Yeah, we've never been in a close relationship. Really? At least with with one another. I think um, by the time that we met, we had, I know definitely King had made a decision um, between him and himself. Like, again, knowing what it is that you want and being honest with yourself that he wasn't going to be in another monogamous relationship or a a relationship that limited who he was um, as a person. And I was starting to learn about myself that I had been a serial monogamous in, in multiple monogamous relationships that at like kind of when it was getting to the point of kind of like shit or get off the pot, I was like, oh boy, <laughs> what are we going to do here? Um, and and kind of sacrificing a lot of the a lot of the needs and the things that I wanted to explore because I thought that this was kind of like the only way, you know, the only kind of relationship option that was available to me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when we met, we met each other at a really great time and space where I could explore some of the things I never had an opportunity to um, with someone that I had a great connection with. Um, we worked well with one another. We were really um, developing a nice friendship with one another. And I was open to trying you know, what this would look like as a relationship. And I think one of the things that has been really great in our relationship is that it has changed. It, it We give it enough space to evolve based on what we need at the moment. So kind of like going into the relationship, I think I was very much like, do whatever you want to do. Like call me, call me Monday through Friday and have your weekends or, you know, we're together when we see each other. And then as um, we got closer to one another, there were definitely some things that I kind of felt like, "Mm, this seems a little bit too open Mm -hmm. for my liking, (laughs) you know? And it went to like, I want to know everything that you're doing. Then it was like, no, no, mm -mm, that's too much. I don't know that I want to know all of those things. So we have allowed the relationship to breathe yeah, and to grow. Um, he's given me the space to like, kind of like giving me all the string that I needed. And then, you know, also help me kind of back myself up when it's been a little bit too much. And um, I have kind of had a lot of the attitude, like, you know, you have to do what makes, what makes you happy mm-hmm. with you. And I'm willing to try different things. Um, in a way that we can accomplish that, but we're still both respecting, you know, our individual needs and then the needs of the the, the relationship. I think, unfortunately, when people think open relationship, they automatically think sexual. 
Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And Thank I think be open is possibility. Yes. So definitely in regards to, especially when we first met, I think we were both open. Like I had just come come out of realizing like I can't be in a monogamous relationship. It's not how I am. I'm I'm a poly person, even in the sense of not just sexually, like I like to get to know people, I like to date, I like to all of that. And I know my capacity for love. Mm -hmm. So for me, I was just like, that's I, I don't want to get into something where I feel restricted. Even if I it's I'd rather not meet somebody and know I had the opportunity to than to be in a place where I just feel like I'm completely confined and I can never breathe. And I think at the time, Jasmine was kind of open to just like, just exploration of all kinds of different things. So we were both already open individuals before we had an open relationship. And I think that a lot of times people get in a relationship out of comfort. And then when they, when they feel real comfortable, they're like, I'm gonna find myself now. Instead of knowing who they are, before they get into a relationship or coming into that relationship with the perspective like, I know I'm an individual and how as an individual can I add on to this relationship to make it better for both of us? Man, I see Yaz just like glaring up like a Christmas tree right now with all the points because what you guys are saying is true. Like, Yaz, your last relationship, for instance, when was it? Mine? Yeah. My last, last relationship ended in 09. So I've been single since I've been in the industry. So it's been hard to have a relationship being in the industry. But my last relationship, it's like he was down with the threesome stuff. But at the same time, it's like he had that jealous side of him. It's like, you need to make up your mind what you want. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm I was already bisexual. So it's like I was already sexual. And that's part of the reason why we broke up because I'm too sexual and he's more so like vanilla mm. like he's more of a type he'd rather pick the girl like it was like the role reversal he was more the female and I was the male like oh I gotta pick the girl in order for us to do it because he feels like the girl's gonna like me more it was just like the competition and I don't know why it was like that that's crazy that's yeah. see and that's I don't know. That's why I also feel like even with I'm very estranged with men get involved with me being as a bisexual woman. I feel that they again, there's that expectation that we're just very sexual beings and that's all we want. And like yeah. you guys said, it's not all about the sex that He's makes like an open relationship work. That's what I always feel. I like humans. Like, I don't really have a preference. Yeah. It's all about the connection and that vibe. But I feel like also, and then, Yaz, you brought up jealousy. People look at me and they're like, how do you not get jealous? I feel like there are different types of levels to jealousy. And you guys can correct me if I'm wrong on all levels. But I feel that if you have enough open communication, it kind of leaves very little of jealousy to be to be had because of the fact that you know what your partner's boundaries and limitations are you know where to cross that line and not to cross that line and then you also have to have that mutual understanding that in my instance being poly I'm going to be involved with different people so our dynamics are going to be different so people can't necessarily feel a sense of like possession or 
a sense of like, oh, well, we're in a threesome and you fucked her longer than me or he fucked you longer than I feel like there's no room for that. Am I wrong for for saying that or is it just like? No, I I don't think so. I think it's funny. Like when I tell my jealousy story, it always throws people for a loop. Oh, give us that story. Come on now. (laughs) <laughs> so I've, I've been like I've I've known that I was pop well not known but I've been poly since before I knew there was a word and a terminology and a lifestyle right mm-hmm. so like when Jasmine and I get together like it's it's already been established like this is who I am I know who I am so you know we've had a couple of sexual encounters with other people and I'm like oh rah rah sis boom ba like get it <laughs> watch so the time I get jealous is. Jazz found a friend, and they would go work out at the gym all to all the time together. I miss my friend. <laughs> but that was the one thing that that got me because I was like, "Damn, I'm gonna go to the gym with you and shit." But honestly, and th- and this is where you know where jeale- jealousy is a human trait. Mm-hmm. Envy is when it becomes dangerous to your life, right? But jealousy is just, it's a feeling. It's something that we have to check in a relationship, whether we're in a monogamous, polyamorous, swinger, or we're all alone and you're getting jealous of your cat staring out the window too long. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> people get jealous over just about everything. Yeah. So, like, for me, I had to check myself and be like, why am I Why am I feeling this type of way about about this person that, that she going out with or whatever? And I was like, I don't have no personal anger towards this woman i don't i don't even know her like that but it really had to do with you know i like going to the gym with jazz like she pushed me to to do more when i'm in the gym but also she go to the gym early as fuck in the morning and i don't want to do that (laughs) i like working out in the the evening you know what i'm saying so i'm like dude you really mad that she likes to go with somebody who actually likes to wake up at at fuck the clock in the morning like (laughs) Just go on your own, and when y'all have time, y'all will work out together. But, like, you know, like, when I was talking about that to some of my boys, we'll be like, well, have you, does she get with other guys, or do you know she's got with other guys? Like, yeah, I know. I know, like, you know, like, for me, that doesn't bother me. Like, as long as that person is respectful and treats her like the queen that she should be treated as, then that's them, you know what I'm saying? But like for, for me, it was that one moment was the time I got jealous. And anytime I tell people that shit, they're like, that makes no sense to me. And I'd be like, because I'm not polyamorous for sex. You know what I'm saying? That's not, that's, and that's when I try to explain it to people. Like poly means love. Poly doesn't mean fucking. Damn, that needs to be on a shirt. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm registering and trademarking Trademark. it right now. Please, it's done. Trademark it. Shoot, I'll wear it proudly. I'll be like, King did this, okay? It was heard on earplay, period. <laughs> but, you know, like, I, I think that, that that's kind of, like, really where, where it comes from. And it shows that, you know, jealousy can be whatever it is so whoever it is mm-hmm. and no matter what your relationship is and your dynamic is with somebody it's really just about checking yourself because nine times out of ten it's not them it's you yeah it's a it's definitely an insecurity that that you're having um i have a lot of jealous stories i, I think <laughs> no, I, 
people, and I think it's important because there's this, it is, there is a falsehood that mm-hmm. people that are in alternative and open relationships like don't experience jealousy. And I think what happens when we don't allow people to experience human emotions, um, and when I say allow, it's like, I'm in this poly relationship, I know that I'm not supposed to be jealous, and I feel it, and so like I'm doing everything to stuff it and stuff it and stuff it, and it's gonna come out in yes. a lot you know, the resentment is going to come out. The behavior is, you know, it's going to surface and you're going to keep saying like, I'm not jealous. I'm not jealous. Okay. But you're something, right? You're mad. And so I think it's important that we, when we are talking about these kind of relationships, we talk about jealous, jealousy and we normalize it. Like, it's okay. And, and, and like people say like, you guys don't, it seems like you guys never fight. Like, of course we, we don't post our arguments. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go live right now. I was going to say. It went down. That would be really strange because when we are arguing, we are intense that we're not picking up our phones. (laughs) 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 But it's it's to say that that we have them, right? Because conflict, you know, conflict is important in growth, any type of growth. Mm -hmm. So jealousy for me usually is um, that he is doing something, whatever it may be, and I have not come up with anything for myself. So King is not responsible for um, my happiness. He definitely contributes to my happiness. He contributes to um, the things that I really enjoy to do in life, but it's my responsibility to come up with things to, you know, for me to enjoy. So there have probably probably been um a couple of times he's gone out on a date and i don't really care that he's going on a date some of the things that he's doing i have no interest in doing like he went to like uh like an art museum and then like to play basketball (laughs) (laughs) oh so no jealousy on the physicality of gym sports it seems like with the two of (laughs) y'all all right wasn't what they were doing because they act like um, you went boxing or yeah, and yeah, basketball or something yeah. like that. Like I don't like to box with him. I don't like box with anyone, and I really don't like to play basketball. <laughs> so that he was having that activity, but I was home doing nothing. That was my fault. Like I didn't make plans. So I'm sitting there like I want to be out on a date. You know, <laughs> you were like in your thoughts the whole time. And again, it had nothing to do with him. He communicated who he was going with, what they were going to do. He was excited about it. We had kind of like you know, our boundaries around it. It wasn't like he was going to come home with this person and she was going to start living with us. Like there was, you know, yesterday. <laughs> um, but it came from my, you know, my lack of preparation of like, what am I going to do when my partner is out and about? How do I fill this time? Um, and unfortunately, I didn't think that through and I was home feeling lonely. But again, it had nothing to do with him. And I had to like be honest with him. Like, of course, he came home and I was like, tap on a little date, you know? And then he was like, well, yeah, I did. I had a great time. With, you know, what's the matter? And so instead of suppressing that, just saying, like, I felt really jealous while you were out because I wanted to be out, too. Mm. Not necessarily and the things that, that he was doing. But, I, you know, so I think it's okay to be jealous. I think the most important part is communicating that jealousy, taking ownership of what belongs to you in it, and then also talking with your partner about, like, how can you make things, what can you do to help um, help that in the future? And that does need to come from the person who's experiencing the emotion. 
because, um, you know, the team will be like, well, what can I do? What could I have done different? And it's like nothing. There's, you know, there's nothing that you could do different. I like that. So I noticed that the two of you um, are both, it, it seems that you're both quite doms. Am, am I correct on that? So how does a relationship with two doms work? Because I always feel like there might be a, a, a struggle with the power dynamics. And when is it appropriate to kind of like switch it? Because, you know, for people out there, I, I myself, I would call myself a switch. I'm more dominant with women in some cases and less dominant with men. Like 90% of the time, it's like a man has to dom me, but I'm very specific on who that man is. And the same with the women. It's, I can be very subby if I wanted to, but I also know the role because my other partner might be more dominant. So how does it work for knowing that your primary or your, your partner in general is a dom and you're a dom? So we, I think, we don't have a BDSM dynamic in our primary relationship. I think that's kind of like the best. Yeah, we don't really dom and sub on each other. I mean, I guess like sexually speaking, you know, it's it's funny because I think people now, because they've watched Fifty Shades of Grey or some shit, <laughs> they think that any time that anything sexual happens that might be that falls under dom sub or top bottom that that person then is a dom or a sub mm -hmm. and like for example like i like to get choked during sex i like it when she choked me during sex but i don't think that i'm submissive to her when i'm getting choked i'm just a motherfucker that like to get choked like cut <laughs> off fly real quick you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> Come on. And what i think like so some people would be like well what about you as a dom? If you're getting choked, like, like I'm comfortable in my skin for what I like and enjoy. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I don't think that every single person or every woman that I come in contact or have sex with, there has to be a dom sub dynamic to it. It could just be like, we freaky, we like passionate stuff. Like, yo, we, we smacking each other. We Whatever the case, whatever we into, you're just in it and you're in the moment and you're passionate, right? And then within the home, you know, we have a one-year-old baby. He's, He's the, the dom. dom. <laughs> <laughs> that was the last time I was on y'all show. When he was ready to talk, he was talking. One no telling him that. So, I know, was so just yeah. about to say, how is Lil Man? Because he is so adorable. Oh, my Thanks. gosh. He's like the perfect blend of you both, honestly. Yeah. Oh, my but gosh. I, I think also, um, we since we work together, you know, we have that equality in our workspace. Mm -hmm. So we like to go out there and wreak havoc on the universe together. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, let's, we, we need some subs. Bring them on in. Like, let's get busy. You know, I, think, I think that's kind of like how our dynamics work, where I, I as a dom and she as a dom, we respect what each other like. Because some of the things I'm, I'm, I'm into, she might not be into. Mm -hmm. Vice versa, but like, I want to watch you do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, please sound that man. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm gonna enjoy it from that perspective. You know what I'm saying? So, I think in that kind of sense, it like really is how how a kingdom would be run if a king and a queen is running it. You know what I'm saying? So, I like that shit. We also know each other's strength. Um, 
so there are aspects of our business and of our household that it's like you're you're better at this you should do that you know or you you know um jasmine like i suck at direction so i'm not gonna be you know like no i want to be in charge of this or like no you know we we know where each other is strong in, in different areas of leadership so we allow that one to lead in that area yeah as you were about to say something I was gonna ask you. So, do you guys have regular subs or like a main sub that you guys involve in your relationship? I was just curious as to how that goes. Um, so, we have um, shared subs, right? That are like personal, not they're not clients or anything, anything like that that we share. We have that also as individuals. There are some people who have no desire to serve both of us as a couple. Um, or we maybe would not have any interest in dominating over that type of person or that person. Um, and then, like what their kink is might not yeah. fit with one of our kinks, but fits with the other one. Mm. And, and then we professionally kind of the same thing, subs that, that we see together um, and then separately as well. I think for us with our personal subs, the most important thing for both of us is making sure that those people understand that we are in a primary relationship so, um, you know, just kind of establish, establishing the fact that like we have to take care of our our primary relationship first and then, you know, others thereafter. I like I like that because honestly, I feel I think it was either Yaz or myself that had noticed you guys. Um, I know on King's Instagram, he does like the ask me anything and people do ask about, you know, how do they become a personal sub? And so we were even talking off air. Yaz and I, I think it was like last week. We're like, man, I wonder if they do have, you know, just subs just wandering around, you know, once in a while <laughs> or like, how does that even work? Because I, I think that's bomb as hell like that. The two of you guys, again, you guys can work together, explore together and just again make this beautiful lifestyle that's kind of just going against all odds and especially because we we love to focus on you know people of color I think it's a beautiful thing that you guys together are kind of representing us as a people that hey black people people of color melanin people can be freaky too and the BDSM or that type of lifestyle it's not because we want to be abused it's not because we're drinking it back to slavery and all that type of bullshit that you hear i like that you guys are kind of like i don't want to say normalizing it but really just putting a twist on this lifestyle that has been a stigma for so long i feel like until recently play parties and the lifestyle parties yeah you've heard about it because of porn but now you're hearing it more with everyday people and i think it's great well, it's it's speaking of which, I'm uh, Yaz had just asked us about uh, when we were in Kenya, when we were back in in Africa, and we had very good conversations while we were there about decolonializing our kink mm. and was it decolonializing our sex lives? Because if you think about it, you know the whether it's African Americans here, um, Africans all over the continent or other places in the diaspora, the West Indies, the Philippines, all over where there's black, right? Our people were forced to have a puritanical view of sex 
which wasn't particularly our view of sex before white people told us how we were supposed to view our bodies and view our sex. You know, if you look at ancient African art, you know, the woman's body was put on display. The man's body was put on display as something beautiful. The womb was something to be worshipped. You know, the, the entire sexual experience from sex to birth and and rearing and rearing children was all viewed as godly acts you know what i'm saying so to to think that there was no kink in our culture and that white people introduced it to us is a fallacy you know there's pretty much pretty much everything that you find on the planet traces back to its origin and its origin for all things is Africa. So like when we were over there and we did this, uh, we were like at a dinner party and remember she brought out the, um, we were laughing and she's like, I'm gonna whip somebody with this. And it was like uh, from, uh, it was made from like animal fur. So it wasn't it wasn't like you were gonna get like whipped or anything. Yeah definitely flog people with it. And this is something that they've been using to herd animals for thousands of years. So you know somebody used that shit in the bedroom. And it's like, <laughs> when we get back to the crib or whatever. Like, you know that happened. Yes. You know, to think that somebody thousands of years ago didn't want to smack someone on the ass or get choked or be held down by their wrist. Like, I mean, like thinking that that was something that's been invented by, you know, white folks in America or Germany in the last 100, 200 years is is ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? And it's very important for our people to realize that our bodies were made for uh, the, the perception that we have of our bodies now was made that way by people who wanted to use our bodies to sell them. Mm. Not not by us who wanted to be free and live life enjoy and love that. each other and enjoy them and, and be a part of the universe. You know mm. what I'm saying? How do you guys take about when people start fetishizing, you know, the two of you just because of the fact that you're African-American? You're... <laughs> <laughs> we don't take to it well. <laughs> This came up before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, we. Um, it's important for us to point it out immediately. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that they know that we know what they're doing, right? Um, we started the the work that we do, our own independent film company, um, and touring the world, world, talking about the adult industry for people of color, so that people, um, performers, are more aware of the fact that they're being fetishized. You know, um, and consumers are be are made aware that the type of porn that they're consuming it's not celebrating mm. black people, it's not celebrating people of color. Um, so, is, if that's what you want your money to go towards, then okay, you're informed now. Um, but a lot of people have kind of like a misconception or have misconceptions about our sex and sexuality to think that the stereotypes that are out there are truly, that really define us. Yeah. And so a lot of our work on the camera and off the camera is to, to take away the fetishism of our bodies and also to um, give black people or people of color a, a, a different way of seeing us participate in sex than what's out there. Now, uh, last week, or our last episode, Yaz and I, we were discussing about the sex workers and the laws that are being passed in New York. Um, are you guys pretty much up on what's going on with that right now? Not completely. Okay. Phyllis, 
Yes, you want to fill them in real quick a little uh, bit? I was told that they decriminalized uh, sex work in New York City, so I wasn't sure if you guys heard anything about that and had further information about it, because, you know, we're in the West Coast. We don't hear about everything. They just give us bits and pieces. I, I heard that they were working towards doing that, but we're based out of Florida now. Like, okay, okay. ex-New Yorker, ex-New Jersey, <laughs> but we, we're based out of Florida now, and it's it's pretty criminalized there. What are your thoughts on that? You know, with the whole criminalizing and decriminalizing of sex work, I feel like there's not enough protection against sex workers. There's so much, you know, stigmas, regulations, rules. And at the end of the day, it's like, hey, they're just doing their job in offering the business of pleasure. Things that we've done behind closed doors that you might not necessarily say, oh, we're doing this out in the open, but somebody's buying into it sex sells at the end of the day mm. so i i my thing is i'm just confused as to why in this day and age we're still putting so much regulations and taxes against these you know sex workers instead of protecting them especially with this whole me too movement you would think that now it's like okay maybe we need to take this a little bit more seriously maybe we need to give them a fighting chance um, there, it, it, it is very complex because whenever something is criminalized, there tends to be money that's made. Um, and, you know, there's, there's lots of money being made locking prostitutes up, right? There's lots of money being made underground with um, prostitution rooms and human trafficking and things like that. So when we kind of think of like, it's 2019, like, why haven't we done this already? Because somebody is benefiting from you know, from the criminalization of it. And then the the opposite end of it is, you know, decriminalizing it tends to mean regulation of it. You know, there is, it. there's rarely uh, a space where it's like, this is no longer a crime, go be free. Mm-hmm. It's like, no longer a crime, follow these rules. Yeah, which we're going to tax you. Yeah, we're going to tax you. We're, you could do it from this street to this street. You can, you know what I mean? And and usually the people that are making these rules and regulations are not the people that are in the industry that have been, yeah. you know, doing sex work for 20, 30 years and actually can say, this is what will keep us safe. Mm-hmm. These are the regulations that we've needed. This is the infrastructure that we've built on, underground. Um, if we can now raise the same structure up because we know it works, yeah. um, this is the kind of public service announcements that need to be made around this work so we can also end the stigma that's attached to it. Because you think about it, you know, they've, uh, they've allowed, let's say, for example, same-sex marriages and relationships, but people are still experiencing hate crimes because of it, right? You know, a lot of things, women have the right to vote, but the things that are on the ballot are not necessarily supportive of women's rights. Yes. So um, I'm not saying, you know, I definitely think that decriminalizing sex work is the direction that we want to go in. Um, I think that we do have to be very, very mindful and knowledgeable about how they go about decriminalizing it because there's lots of ways where, it's again, it's like you're free within these parameters and sometimes those parameters can be just as unsafe as you know as working underground or flying under the radar this sounds exactly like how the marijuana law passed out here nobody read the fine print Mm. when they 
Yes. It should have been a no vote. And then now it's all these regulations. We have taxes on it. Um, all of our shit is now prepackaged. Um, they and it's only state regulated, not federal. Yeah. So, we, so if the feds feel like they want to get you, they're gonna come get you. Right. Yeah. So you you're free, but but so much, right? And then it also takes away from the you know like I, I I'm kind of seeing this out here, and you you all please correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like the people who've known how to grow and sell marijuana have gotten pushed out. Of, oh yeah. Right. Okay. So I, yeah. I see a lot of that happening with laws around sex work, or like the you know the law looks good for those who want to get into the industry, but what about those who are in jail right now because yes. of you know? And and I wish that some of the fine print included some of those negotiations as well. Right. Yeah, and when you thought it in regards to marijuana, you know, if you have a certain amount of money, or you have a certain or the certain type of background. That allows you to buy into it so if it happens the same way with sex work if you're a person who you know oh yeah it's okay if you make x amount of dollars to be in this particular location but if you don't make this amount of dollars then we tax you to be in this location or they'll they'll find a, they'll find a yes. way for people who are who are hungry and and things like that and it's the, they're gonna take money from us right yeah Right. <laughs> in which it, it all comes down to money at the end of the day it always comes down to money and then going back to the whole weed conversation i mean perfect docu- documentary is weed mountain on netflix and they talk about the decriminalization you, you said you heard about it yes i thought it was murder mountain is it murder mountain maybe it is county yes murder mountain and it, i mean perfect example is like humble is weed central but a lot of those people are very poor, very, you know, disconnected from the world. It's almost like I don't want to say Amish, but I mean, they are very like off the grid people. And now these thriving growers can't even make, you know, money to put food on the table because of the rules and regulations on growing the product, growing yeah. the product that we have been consuming for years. So I don't know. It, it makes me scared to what's going to happen with both of these vices because I feel like, especially with sex work, it's always evolving. But is it evolving for the greater good? I don't know. And the other, the other thing that's concerning is so this this goes for people who are in purchasing services, not just. Uh, the sex worker, mm-hmm. you know, when some of these people who are the customers do things that are wrong to sex workers, like abuse us or attack us or rob us or do whatever they do to sex workers, they, at this point, there is not really, uh, they don't get ramifications and repercussions for doing so. So people of that nature are doing their best to also make sure that these laws are not passed in regards to normalization or decriminalization because they are actually criminals as well. But the way that the the way that society frames it is that the sex worker is the problem, not the person who is is purchasing. 
And you have a lot of these people who go, you know, out of the country for certain services where they can find young boys or young girls. So into countries where there are no no laws, period, so that they could take advantage of people. They don't go to countries like uh, Amsterdam or Germany where you have like red light districts and things that where the police actually are paying attention to what's happening in regards to sex workers. You know what I'm saying? So that's the other thing. Those are the other people whose dollars are being put into trying to make sure that sex workers are the ones who are punished instead of the ones who are doing all kinds of the real dirt out there. It needs to be done. It needs to be. Our vaginas and penises just provoke all kinds of fucked up shit, don't it? Of course. That's why I look at the politicians and I call, we called them out on our last episode and we're like, half of the time these the politicians are the ones that are making these disturbing acts against sex workers. It's like, I'm sorry. You, you want to get your ass beat, but then you're going to turn around and you're going to take advantage of that person who's giving you that outlet. And then you're going to turn around and say, nope, nope, this is not right. This is not good. Oh, we're going to do abortion laws. Okay, so who's who is that going to protect at the end of the day? Period. But, I mean, I think this speaks to people's shame, you know, their own personal shame. It's always the, the person that is like kind of like the loudest in the room that is um, rallying against taking away someone's freedoms or someone's rights that, you know, has a cage full of skeletons yeah yeah a lot and that's why i'm like only time will tell when we get all of these politicians and expose them for what the fuck they're doing oh i feel like we could talk to you guys for hours and i can't believe like time has flown by but i know that you guys are in town right now in la um so tell us you know what are you guys up to i know that you guys have been promoting about this experience which i'm once again bummed yaz got to experience i have to miss out again so now i have to catch you on the next round but please what let people know like what's going down with this experience where where are you guys gonna be at what is this all about so right now we are on the experience tour because we just dropped the King Noir Royal Fetish Experience album. So hopefully y'all could rock a joint or two on the show. Oh, honey, Um, we'll close out the show. You tell us which song to close out the show with. We'll add it on there. I got you. So like, um, we've been touring the country with our kinky pop-ups, which basically we just pop up in a city at a spot and do some kinky ass shit. And (laughs) we're popping up in LA um, this Saturday, uh, 8 p.m. at Sanctuary LAX. And we're basically going to be doing uh, a pop-up in the dungeon. A lot of people who have never been to a dungeon want to know how to come through and uh, experience it in a safe way and still enjoy all of the play that they want to engage in, see what it's really like, what it's really about. And that's what we're going to be doing here in L.A. So we're going to we're going to have some performances from from the musical aspect of things, but also Jazz and I are going to be doing an impact play performance. I know Ooh. when you in uh, Oakland, we had at the time our longest, our longest spank line. Yes, we had some like what was like it like 30. like thirty people lined up to get spanked. Say what? Yeah, yeah. Hey, girl, you missed it, uh, girl. I'm just wet thinking about it. What the? F- mm. I'm <laughs> mad as hell. Mm-mm-mm. After after this, uh, after LA, we're gonna be. 
Uh, I'm going to be, yeah, I'm going to be in Vegas doing some shooting, but then we're going to meet up again in New Orleans for Naughty in New Orleans, which is like the country's largest swinger event. We're going to be doing some workshops on on kink and our porn and parenting workshop. (laughs) Then from there, we will be back in Florida for the Miami kinky pop-up. We're going to be at FETCON doing all the stuff we do. We're actually nominated for two awards this year, Best Live fetish performer and for a uh, scene, a uh, royal fetish scene, a kinky introduction with uh, LA's finest. With LA's finest, Misty Stone and yours truly, King the War. And we're up for two Urban X Awards also. Uh, RoyalFetishXXX.com as best site, so go vote for us. And then uh, we're both nominated for both fetish, best fetish performer. So vote, vote for, for me. me. Vote for me. <laughs> <laughs> Jazz just like pushed King out of the way just now. <laughs> I'm going to take the trophy and I'm going to write my name on it and put it on her mantle. <laughs> if you win, I'm going to jerk off on your. <laughs> Oh, shit. Oh, we'll need pictures of this. We would need some photographic evidence or a video of all of this. It will film. Oh. Yes. Um, oh we're going to be at Desire Mexico. So for all you poly swinger couples mm. that want to come and have a good time, we will and be And unicorns. Up. It's actually yes, young, yes. wild, and... Oh, unicorns. Sexy. Come through and, yeah. and be all unicornish. <laughs> And we will, um, we're actually going to be doing a couple of uh, really fun workshops there, and I will be available for a naked beach volleyball. Oh, oh, I'll be filming here. (laughs) So, um, also looking for the performers that listen to the show, um, this. Sunday at the APAC meeting? Yes, this Sunday, um, we at the APAC meeting, we will be doing the porn and parenting workshop just for performers, sex workers. You know, it's free for everyone that that is a sex worker and in the industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we will be answering all types of questions, but also going over important information on how to keep your your children safe and to keep your sex life going with them kids that keep knocking on the damn door. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like some experience from the baby himself, Mr. Boss Baby. (laughs) Well, I have to say thank you guys so, so much for coming on today, taking time out, you know, and joining us. And where can they reach you and follow you so, you know, we can relay the messages. Thank you. On Twitter, I'm Jet Set Jasmine, and everywhere else, Jet Setting Jasmine. And I'm King Noir, K-I-N-G-N-O-I-R-E. And on all platforms where you get music, go and get the Royal Fetish Experience by King Noir. It's the music you can smoke to, fuck to, and have a good time to all day, every day. Yes. Yes, where can they reach you, Abu? Fit and Dirty on Instagram and It's Pink City on Twitter. And of course, you can follow me at Ms. Radio Sapphire on Instagram and Twitter. Until next time, safe sex is the best hot sex. Thank you. They say one's fun, two's double, three fantasy. Oh, here we all are, room full of lovers, poly poly. They say one's fun, two's double, Same, no 
substitute Now let me kiss you While you place your hand where she won She's got me in the back Two on the side, you on the front Now here come the sun They say one's fun Two's double, three's fantasy And lust. BDSM, you like it rough. Our cucks just love watching us fuck close up. Wife covered in nut, her husband there to clean it up. Nasty as we gotta be, breaking the monotony. Cosplay menagerie, all out debauchery. We share so well, sister wives and subs, lifestyle and swinger clubs. Threesomes, foursomes, moresomes, awesome. Thirst traps and snacks, the whole room starving. Having my cake and eating it too Done took on a different meaning Cause you eating it too, see We do it all and keep it true So what the fuck's cheating gonna do? I don't want nobody but you Unless I'm being poly with you They say one's fun, two's double Three fantasy, uh Your hand where she wants 